Hi everyone, so tonight we're going to start on a new topic. I don't know how many sessions we're going to do on this topic. Maybe a few and then skip and then more as I get more stuff. Um, but I want to lay a foundation tonight on this topic. Right, most of you know the topic by now, which we just mentioned. But yeah, you don't know anything about the topic. So as you can see on there, it's called immortality. Have you seen how many times that word is in your Bible? It's everywhere in your Bible. But we don't read it because the Holy Spirit don't open it up for you. That's why you will never read it. But once he showed it to you, then you will start picking it up and, and seeing it. I'm opening it up for you, so now when you read your Bible, you're going to start noticing that word. That's how the Holy Spirit works. We're going to lay a foundation of what immortality is. Um, and I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about it from my side first. And then we're going to engage in the word with why, what's the word saying about this. So, what is the number one thing feared by man? Death. Death. I've seen people that walk very close to the Lord. And when it comes to death, even though they say they don't fear, all of a sudden when they get close to death and realize they're close to death, they start fearing. There comes a fear. It's not a, a wrong fear. It's just there's a fear. Death brings a fear. Uh, whether you are, how close to God... Everybody says, I don't fear the death because I'm a Christian. But I've seen it when you really get close to it. They start fearing. You have a little bit of a, a mind change there because you know it's close. And there's uncertainty regarding death. So everybody gets to that place. So death is the number one thing that everybody on this world worries about. If you go on the internet, on YouTube, wherever, go Google immortality or go Google... Um, Anything to do with immortality, you will be you'll be amazed what the internet's how busy the internet is and science is regarding immortality. Science is pursuing it. It's one of the top things scientists are pursuing is immortality. They say by the year 3030, some scientists say then they want to be able to get man to immortality in the flesh. With the tests they're doing. I don't think, I think that's a long shot. But that's how confident they are and how they're pursuing to become immortal. How many movies have you seen about immortality? There's plenty of movies. Because it's a big problem for mankind. So, immortality, go look at it. You'll be amazed to see how many. You'll be amazed to see in Christianity, all of a sudden people are writing books about immortality. Some of them are missing it big time with the way they write it. Um, but it's being... It's coming forth from different angles. Some are missing it a bit, like always. You will have the ones that has got a, a, a wrong angle to it, but they've got, they know it's this, but they've got the wrong angle to it because they want to put it through their doctrine. And then it doesn't fit very nicely, but there's books. I know of a book that was written... End of last year, by a, a certain American pastor. I'm not going to tell you the book because it's not a good one to read. Otherwise, you're going to want to read it. It's not a good one to read. So, I think you will all agree, death is bad, it's evil. That's, death is not a good thing. Um, it's not something that we can all say, wow, it's good. 
Um, death causes sadness, it causes division. Death brings problems, always. Do you realize that death is not God's character? We die, but it's not God's character. Where do you see that God loves death? Nowhere in your Bible. He doesn't like it. I think that's why in the Bible the Jews had this thing where the firstborn gets everything. Then there's no family feuds and fights. Huh? Think of it. That firstborn gets everything, so nobody fights about anything after. You can't fight about what I want or what that one wants. First one, I think that God knew death brings fighting. So firstborn gets everything, everything's sorted, nobody can say anything anymore. Huh? If, you had it, if we had that year, no more problems. Uh-huh. I think even God knew that thing is problems. If, if your parents die, the first one, not big problems. When the second one die, big problems. Family feuds and stuff. So that just shows me it's not from God, death. Because he brings division. The enemy uses that death to bring division and fighting and all types of stuff. Why would I want to teach about this topic? Because I always said I don't want to touch this topic. For years, many years, I knew about this, but I never wanted to learn about it or engage in it. I've, I mean, I've known about this for from 2008, 9, 10, I knew about this. But I never asked the Lord anything about it. I never wanted to look at it. I ignored it totally. So, early last year, I'm just giving you a background why I'm teaching on this so you, I, you understand where I am because I want you to share in what I'm doing. I had a dream the one night. Those that know me by now, I get one or two or three dreams a year, but they all are. And I've always had a dream when I have to do something new also. Always there's a dream that says it directly do this or that. So I had a dream. In this dream, I was standing in a building, inside a building, and there was a, um, a guy lying on a table dead. And I walked up to him and I recognized who it is. And it was Kubus van Rensburg. I will show you now who that is. Kubus van Rensburg. I will explain now. I looked at him and I heard somebody say, you must pray for him so that he can wake up. And I can see he's dead. Because Kubus van Rensburg is dead, already dead. He died in 2013. So as I was praying for him, he got up, sat up, and the next moment, Kelly Varner walked in the room. Big American preacher, one of the big ones um, of all time. Again, it won't be that popular because they don't walk in mainstream Christianity. He walks in, and he's a bit angry with me. I can see, well, not with me, with what's going on here. He's a bit angry with me. And he walks out, and I'm like confused. What's going on here now? Why is he like angry? And, and I, this, and Kubus is looking at me, and I woke up. But it was like real when everything that took place in there. And I didn't understand this dream at all. And now I went and I sat down and I started thinking, okay, Lord, now you need to tell me what's going on here. I don't understand this dream. And the first thing that I clicked is these two guys, Kubus and um, Kelly Varner, would came together regularly. From, he came from America to Kubus and Kubus went to him. They preached at one another's churches. Kubus had a church in Klerksdorp, one of the biggest churches in the country. He had one there. He was a kingdom preacher, and Kelly also. 
bit different angles, but they were very close to one another. So I realized both of them are kingdom preachers. Both of them knew one another, and both of them have already passed away. So that's the first thing I clicked. Kelly Varner passed away, I think, 2010, and Kubas in 2013. Both younger than they should have died. I think Kelly, I can't remember exactly why, how Kelly died, if it was a heart attack, what Kubas had cancer. All right? If you know Kubas' story, I'll talk now about Kubas specifically. So I got that, and I said, okay, Lord, so I, both of them knew one another. I, I get that. I know that. But why? What, what says, why did I have to pray for him? And as I was sitting, the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to bring that back. And I'm thinking, what do I need to bring back? And then I, I hit me like a 10-pound hammer between the eyes. Kubas preached immortality. Kelly Varner preached immortality. And I had to raise this one, Kubas, from the death. And the Lord said, this must be raised again. This immortality must be raised again. It must be spoken. And it's the time to speak about it now. And then I said, no way am I going to do that. Because I know how controversial it is. I know how they were crucified for speaking it. I was one of the ones who crucified him. said he's mad to say it back then. So I knew the backlash those two guys had because they taught immortality. So I was saying, Lord, if I got to do that, then, I mean, it's really going to be from you because I know I'm going to get backlash if I say this. I mean, you can't tell people you can't die. They're not going to take it. But these guys did it. So, I, I understood I had to bring this topic that Kubis was so passionate about. He, he was the first one preaching about immortality. It was Kubis for Innsbruck. I didn't know it, but now I know it. So, I had to bring back, raise the, the immortality side of the teaching. All right. So I got this in my head. I know this and I'm fighting with the Lord. I'm saying I'm not going to talk about this because it's controversial. Then when was it? July last year. I said we're going to go away with the men. Remember? I think we went away end of July, just before August. And uh, I got a song in my head. And I knew this was from the Lord, this song. I just know it. But I ignored the song. So we went on that men's weekend, and those that were there with us, was there with us, you. We, we older guys sat together and spoke, and we, we explained to the one guy, you know how music, your Lord sometimes speaks through music. Even secular music, you can use that. It doesn't have to be a Christian music. You can speak through any music. So we had this whole conversation, and the whole time in my head I'm thinking, mm, I've got this song, and I'm, I haven't listened to this song yet. I'm ignoring the song. <coughs> so, but we had this whole conversation. We played a couple of songs there just to show this other guy stuff that the Lord has showed us over the years in songs. You know, like Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer, and you know, all those songs that the Lord has used, and um, You're the Voice, those songs that the Lord has spoken to me about and stuff. So... I came back from that men's weekend, and that week, and I still didn't listen to the song, that week after I came back, I remembered, I've got to listen to this song. And again, I got busy and I left it. Because I wasn't wanting to, I was kind of breaking everything because I didn't want to go there. Another week went past, and I clicked again, I got in my bucket and I thought, oh, I have to listen to the song. 
I get this message in my head, I've got to listen to the song. And I think, okay, I'll listen to it tomorrow. I'll listen to it tomorrow. Goes by, tomorrow comes and goes, and I didn't listen. The next morning I get in my car and I switch on the radio. Bam, here plays the song. The first song on my radio when I switch it on. And I'm thinking, oh, I haven't listened to the song. Here's the song playing. And I said, Lord, okay, I will listen to it today. And guess what? I didn't. I got busy and I didn't. Next morning I get in my car, radio on, first song, again, the same song. Two days in a row, first song, as I switch on my radio, it's playing. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to stop being disobedient. Today I'm going to listen to it. And so I went and sat down that day in my, my living room, switched on the sound and a nice volume, and I hit play. And that song floored me. I didn't know the words. I knew the song, but I didn't know the words. And when I listened to that, that thing blew me away. What, what was said in the song. I'm going to play you the song now, then I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me in the song. Out of that, um, I connected with people, somebody that's also preaching immortality through the dream that the Lord told me I must phone somebody that I've never spoken to in my life. I got connected with that person. I don't want to use that person's name because I don't want to use their name because they're actually very popular, or well known. So I don't want to use them in, in my stuff to use them like as if I'm using them. I don't like if people do that. So, but I, I had a this person came, flew to George to my house to come and speak to me, and um, drove, flew to Cape Town, and drove from Cape Town to to George, came to my house, and we had a conversation for two or three hours. The person came directly to my house just to speak, to me, and then they went back. So we had this conversation, and we were like this with everything we said, the same about what is going on and the dream I had and this person said stuff in the dream that made sense that they knew of because this person also knew them the two in the dream so this person could actually tell me why he was angry they knew that because there was an issue I didn't know that stuff but this person knew it that there was an issue that's why he was angry Kilevana alright so I'm going to play you this song quickly I want you to listen to the words. So I want you to remember now, when I play this song, I had a dream. I kept it for a year before I started engaging with it. Like I said, I didn't want to listen to the song. I put it on hold every time. And then everything started clicking together. All the stuff that the Lord gave me, the little bits and pieces. So that you see, I'm not thumb-sucking this stuff. You didn't know those words were in there. And what it means. I'm just going to give you a quick flash. It starts with, Hello darkness, my old friend. Who's darkness in your Bible? Who's called the, the one of darkness? The devil. The enemy. Look what he's saying here. Hello darkness, my old friend. He's being sarcastic to the devil here. He's saying, and remember this song was written to a guy that was blind. It was not written for Christianity. The Lord spoke to me when he gave me the song to listen to. And then he says, I've come to talk with you again. So he's bringing something back. He's wanting to talk to the devil about something in this time. He's coming to revisit him. 
And then it says, because a vision softly creeping, let it see it while I was sleeping. That has happened with me. While I was sleeping, I had a dream, a vision. So that made sense for me. Um, and the vision that was pla planted in my brain, that's what happened with me, still remains. I kept it for a year before I used it. Within the sound of silence. The sound of silence is death. Death is the sound of silence. Because there's no sound in death. Um, in restless dreams, I woke, walked alone. I kept it for a long while without telling anybody what I was doing. I didn't tell Lydia even about it for a long time. Narrow seats of cobblestone, neither the halo of the street lamp. I turned my collar and the cold and damp when my eyes were stared by a flash of neon light. That means it was when I got the revelation. I understood what it was saying. There's still other stuff, but I'm not going to go through everything now. That split the night. In other words, it split the darkness. Yeah, this is, came in there. And touched the sound of silence. All right? So there's something new that's going to be brought forth now. That's what, what it's actually saying there, if you, if you read between the lines. Um, in, and in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more. 10,000 means perfection. Ten times perfection, actually, because a thousand is perfection. It's ten thousand perfection. So it's, there's nothing more perfect than this that the people are going to see. That's what it says. People. Now this is mind-boggling. People talking without speaking. That's a spiritual realm. Those of you that's been caught up in the spirit will know what that means. You will speak, but you don't speak. Yeah, you speak through your whole being. So you speak without using your mouth. Sound travels through your body. I've experienced it twice in my life. It's amazing. You don't speak, but you can hear everything. You hear it in here. You don't hear it here, in your ear. So this is people talking without speaking spirit, in speaking the spirit. People hearing without listening is in the spirit. Because that's what you do in the spirit, those two things. That's how the spirit language works. It doesn't work through sound waves in your mouth and your ear picking it up. It works in your whole being. You can hear and hear and speak. I mean, when, when Jesus walked into my room, he was speaking, but there was no, his mouth didn't move, but I heard everything in detail. When I said something, they heard it, and I didn't say it. I just said it. It's weird to explain it, but that's exactly what they say. That's what it is. People writing songs that voices never share. The songs is talking about this thing, about immortality, that people didn't want to speak about. Uh, no one dared. Because like I said, those two guys were crucified when they did that. When they said it. Uh, and it disturbed the sound of sorrow. Um, Fool said, I said, I, you don't, do not know. Silence like cancer grows, because that's what death does. Hear my words that I might teach you, take my arms that I might reach you, because that was for me and the people that he's going to use to teach it. I'm not one of them, but he's obviously giving to other people too, not just me. Like I said, I saw other people in America, everybody picking up on this all of a sudden, because I know the same spirit speaking throughout the world. But my words like silent raindrops fell and echoed in the wells of silence. Rain brings life. You all know that. It makes it grow. A well is a pit that you can drink from. It stores stuff. It keeps water there for the time when it's for you to use it. Like this immortality laid in a well. And it's now time to, to drink from that. That's what it's saying there. And people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. That God's with a small letter. What is this neon God? Who, who's got an idea? What do you think? Do you know? 
It blew my mind when I, the Holy Spirit showed me what it's saying here. Listen to what it's saying. And the people bowed and prayed to the neon God they made. And the Lord said, churches, religion. They made a neon God out of Christianity. And isn't that the truth? Isn't that what we've done? Most churches has become like a God for people. The building. A lot of them. Not all, but a lot of them. And neon, what's every church doing these days? Going dark inside with all the lights and the, the music and the atmosphere. And it's everything about performance. Building up. Building up, yeah. And he says, this is the neon God we made as Christians. Um, and the sign flashed out of the warning in the words that it was forming. And the sign said, the words of the prophets. And written, speaking about here what the prophets have been saying, and we're going to talk about that in the teaching, how it's been prophesied this thing to come. It's been saying, and it says there where it is in the subways and tenement halls. Those things, I went and looked at it. What is that? That's actually places where a lot of people gather and stay. It is saying these prophets' warnings have been flashed to where everybody is to say to them, you've got to watch, you've got to look, but they're ignoring it. They're not seeing it. Nobody's seeing what the Lord is saying. The prophets have said it. He's flashing for them, but they are ignoring it. Um, so, just in short that, but there's a couple of amazing things. Like I said, for me personally, with the way I got the dream, it speaks to me in person in that thing also, and then in general to do with there. So, you can imagine how this blew my mind when I, when I listened to the song and the words, and it clicked with everything I went th through is in the song. How I dreamed, I kept it, everything. And the thing about immortality, uh, sound of silence. But he's, if you listen to the song, he's, he's wanting that thing to come back. He said, oh darkness, oh devil, I'm coming back for you. There's something we still need to sort out. And like I said last week, there's only one thing in your Bible that has not been <sighs> birthed on this earth. And that's immortality, death. All the other things we've walked in, healings, casting out demons, we've done all those things. But the Bible says the last one to come is death. And that's why he's in that song, that's why the Lord gave me a song where it says, I'm coming back, my old friend, because this thing needs to be dealt with. So that's why I want to talk about this thing. Also, here, that's Kubus von Rensburg. Now, Kubus taught this up to 2013, immortality. So I had a bit of a struggle with this thing when I had all of this stuff because I know what they said. I went and listened afterwards to what they said to see exactly what they were saying. But they both died. So that what they were teaching, it didn't happen in that way. So I had questions for the Lord. If I have to talk about this, how can I talk about something where the people died? These two guys were amazing enough to birth it on this earth and pay the price to be rejected by Christianity even though they were at the biggest churches but still Christianity rejected them the mainstream Christianity didn't want anything to do with them laughed at them made fun especially when they died they made fun ah see those they said we're not going to die Arsene no do it I heard more than one comment like that. But it's because people don't realize what happened. 
they had to birth it. They were not going to walk in it, but nobody that births something walks in it. Have you seen that in your Bible? It's a pattern in your Bible. Everybody that birthed something in the Bible, Moses birthed going out to the promised land. He never entered. He died before he went in. But he had it. He said, we're going there. He never went in. These guys birthed it, but they never had it. The problem is they preach it as if it was going to happen in their season, and it didn't. It was wrong. They had the timing, the season wrong. Not the teaching. The timing was wrong. So that gave me, okay, I'm not going to die. And that's when I started looking at everybody else. What's people saying? Other teachers and preachers saying all over the world, because there's obviously not a lot to talk about this topic. But Kubus preached this, believing this, but opening it up for the world, because he was the biggest one preaching this in the world. So we should honor them for what they stood for in a time where they were rejected by Christianity. And yes, we're going to get rejected again by saying this. But this were even worse because it was now people know there's this thing like that out there. But it's just, I can see the Spirit opening and calling this thing to the forefront because there's a shift coming that the Lord's doing. And the shift is there's a season change. How many times have I said this to you guys? I said to you last week, every 2,000 years, a son is born. And we're 2,000 years after the cross. A son needs to be born again. Who's that son? The Christians that's in love with Jesus, the one many-membered body that needs to be born again. There's a shift coming in Christianity. And this is what's going to, if this falls in place, everything fell in place. Because all the other stuff has already happened, but not this. Your Bible says this is the last thing. The last enemy in your Bible is death. We're going to read those those passages so you can understand it. So, I want you to see why Kubus and them preached it, why things did not happen. So you don't think people preach wrongly, that's why they die. It's they preached it out of season, but the thing was still right. That's why a lot of people didn't understand it when they preached it, because it wasn't the season yet for, for the way they preached it. Because they preached it for that season not to happen, and obviously it didn't. So, Let's, let's go further with that. Uh, only two people in your Bible didn't die. Two normal humans. Enoch and Elijah. They're the only ones that didn't die. Death has always been the enemy of, human, of humankind. Always. It's our biggest enemy. I want to read you Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30. Let's get the Bible verses going. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Do you see here? Do you want to show you this? Hear it. Do it. You see there? Yeah. My hear and do. It's funny, huh? It's not just hear and then it will happen automatically. Um, but the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayst do it. Again, do it. So I have said before thee this day, life and good and death and evil. 
Listen what he's saying here. Uh, where is it here? Fifteen. Life, death, and evil. Basically, life and death. He's saying, I'm giving you this. Life and death. In that I commanded thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayst live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou would not hear, but shalt be drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passed over Jordan to go to the promised land. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death. See there again? Uh, where is it? Verse 19. Uh, life and death. He's giving that to us. Uh, Okay, then the verse 20, that thou mayest love the Lord, and God mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days. So the Lord's our life and the end of our days. That thou mayest dwell in the land of which the Lord swore unto the fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give them. So he's saying here, life or death, you choose. All right? What you see what the Lord is saying here. Life or death, you choose. Here we can see God's heart is what a God, how God feels about death. He doesn't like it. God doesn't like death. Uh, we, have, we as Christians have made death as if it's a God. Think of what I'm saying. The way we treat it. The way we look at it. Some people say yes, but you know, it says in your Bible, when Abraham and them came, we're going to go to 120 years. You remember that verse in the Bible says, from now, this day forth, you will only live to 120 because the people before that grew. I can tell you now, if you take the jubilee years, I've showed you that before. A jubilee years every 50 years. 120 people in the Bible is always when something big happens. Eh? Upper room, 120 people in the upper room. If I, if I take 120 times 50 every jubilee year, it gives you 6,000. That's already, and we're already in the seventh day. So we're in that time. You understand it? 6,000 years already passed. 120. It's a prophetic thing. It's not a literal thing for them there. It's speaking about a time when this thing is going to happen. Now I'm going to say something radical. God, do you know, did not create death. Have you ever thought of that? God did not create death. Death entered when Adam and Eve ate of the tree. So when God created Adam and Eve, there were no death. They ate of the apple, of the fruit, what you want to believe, and death entered. Do you see, it didn't come from God. When God's story before they ate had no death. See, if they didn't eat of the fruit, nobody would have died up to now. Because in the beginning there were no death. When God created, they were glorified fully God's, in God's presence. 
Now, I personally, I hate death. Just because I see what it's done, because I've experienced it. Both my parents passed away. Um, people, I've seen a lot of people die that I've prayed for. Family members died. Some of you have lost people the last year or two. I don't like death. I, I've actually got an issue with death because I've seen what it, what it does to people. To the ones that's dying and to the ones that's close to the family. It brings hurt, um, sadness. I mean, some people actually die because their loved one died because they can't handle the, the, the sadness, the pain and stuff. You have a lot of old people that when the one dies, a couple of months after the next one dies. It shows you there's something in death that's not good. That's why I hate death. I hate the, just the whole thing about it. I hate death because what, what makes me upset about death is how can God create us and then, like we said earlier, then we have to suffer like this when we get older. So I said, Lord, so you create us. We, we, we're young, we grow, we grow, we grow. And then we have to be okay with going back into a little chair, wearing a nappy when you're old. That's degrading. How can you be a loving God and you do that to us? Doesn't make sense. Have you thought of it? How can this loving God allow us to decay like that and, and your body starts giving problems and, and you die? And then when you die, it's, it's a struggle. I looked at my mom when she passed away. She had, that last week was bad. She had to fight for each breath. That's not fun. That's not God. So why God, why are you doing this to us? Because you're doing it. Because we're dying. And I mean, that's genuine questions to us. I'm not fighting. That, uh, everybody can ask him that. Most of us are just too afraid to ask him that. But I asked him. I said, I don't like this death thing. How does this work? Why are we suffering? You're not a God of suffering. You're a God of love. But this is not love. This is pain and heartache and for the ones suffering and for the, for the loved ones. So, I mean, there's, there's questions that we are. Look at funerals. I mean, the way they speak at funerals. We, we've got this thing. Um, they always say, you know, this poor person died. Now, luckily, they're free from their pain. So, yes, it's true because that's what happens. But is that God's way? Because so then death is, is, is a good thing because it's taking away from your pain. But we are then placed here. It contradicts. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we preach, okay, this one suffered, but luckily now they died, so now they're at a better place. But then we're praising death. But we should not be praising death, because death made that person ill in the first place. Death wanted them to die. That's why it, the disease or whatever came, the cancer or whatever they had, came. So there's something wrong here. Um, it doesn't make sense. For me, it's not God's nature at all. We, where we are now, I want you to start thinking differently, adjust your mindset about death. I want you to, as we go through these things, start looking at death in what the Bible says about it and not what you believe and we're brought up with, the way we said. When stuff is in stuff, sal you gaan, yeah? dust to dust. When was that said? After they ate of the fruit. Not before that. They would have stayed sinful forever. That's why he saved them to take them out of the garden. Because if they stayed in the garden and they ate of the tree of life, they would have stayed alive forever, sinful. So, like I said here, so if you think about it, we believe that our Savior is actually death. 
because it's saving you from this sickness. But it's not. It's something bad. And then the death is the Savior, not Jesus. I know it's contradicting what I'm saying, but think about this stuff. Really think about what I'm saying here. How we think as human beings. And it's not what the Bible is saying. If sin didn't end in the garden, there would be no death. No death at all. Because God didn't make death. Who made death? It came with the enemy. When sin entered, death came. God didn't make death. See, if you imagine God created us perfectly, we sinned, death came in. Death came into the Lord's handwork. What He did, His perfect world that He created, creation, and then death had to come in. Well, I can't think that God was very happy with that. Because he didn't create it. This thing came in because of a sin that entered. It wasn't part of his creation when, when death entered. So, immortality is the last and final mystery in your Bible. Your Bible says it. And it needs to manifest on the earth to come to fullness. Like everything else, it manifests on the earth. Like I said, healing. We have to go through the stages of healing. Casting out demons. You know, all the things that the Bible says, the Lord paid for all your sins. You've got grace. All those things manifested in people on the earth and we walked in it. But nobody's walked in immortality. We're all walking in grace. We're all walking in faith. We're all walking, walking in signs and miracles and wonders. It all has happened everywhere. Bits and pieces. But nobody's walking in this. And this is, the Bible says, this is the last one. The last enemy. The Bible says that devil is defeated. His, his hands are bound. He's not walking around. He's bound. He, that's why he can't do much to you. He can just talk to you and make you do wrong things and say wrong things. And then you allow him. But his, his power has been stripped at the cross 2,000 years ago. And progressively we were walking into that. It, it happened 2,000 years ago. The enemy's power was stripped. But as we grow and grow, we can stand more and more against the enemy because his power is taken away. Alright? Remember, I think I said last week, you don't read much about the devil in the Old Testament. Only when God does something, you read about the devil in the, in the Bible. When Jesus set his foot on the earth, the devil came forth and he started doing things. He immediately went for Jesus. There's one place in the Old Testament also. But just that so you understand... When the devil stands up, it's because God's moving. You can look in your Bible, every time God did something, the devil's on the forefront. Otherwise, the devil was happy. When they had the offerings and the stuff, all the offerings and stuff, you never heard about the devil because it was his plan. My plan's working. You never read about him. You will not read about him in that time much. But when Jesus came to the earth, all of a sudden the devil's in everybody's face. And Jesus had to tell him, go away. And then he had to go away. And I said to you, if we look into the time we are in now, all over the world, what's standing up? All types of evil. Why is evil so in our faces on TV every day, everywhere? Because God is going to move. The enemy is standing up again and he's visible. When he, he becomes visible when God's going to move. Like in the Bible's time, he was physically visible in that time. And now, if you switch on your TV and you watch news, 
and you understand what's going on in the world. That's why you must know what's going on in the world, that you can see what the enemy is doing, because he's standing up and he's showing his teeth, because he knows God's going to move. The time, it's about the timing. That's why this immortality thing is coming up. This mystery of immortality was revealed by Paul. But it's yet to manifest on the earth. But he revealed it, Paul. And most of us read Paul, we never read that, but Paul ever said that. So don't worry, it's because the Holy Spirit didn't want you to see it until it's the time to see it. So the final change of our bodies will take place. And that was on the day when Christ manifests in his sons, this will kick in. Immortality. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not going to happen now. We are not immortal now. We are still going to die. But on the day when Christ is manifested in the sons, immortality stands up. And you're not going to die anymore. On the earth. There's a time for that to happen. It's not now. So why we have to, that's why I asked the Lord, why do I have to teach it now? Because we're not there yet. And he said, because this generation needs to walk in the believing it so that the next one can stand in it. But it's got to flow. It's, got to, it's already birthed. It's got to flow now. The birthing has happened for this thing. Now it needs to flow so that the people can grow in it. Because people need to understand this thing. Because it's a radical thing. It's a very radical thing. So the final change will take place in our bodies. It was given to the Corinthians and the, uh, in, Thess in the Thessalonian churches in your Bible. Paul. I'm going to read here for you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. He's saying, I'm giving you a mystery, Paul. Peter didn't have it. Jesus never spoke about it. Paul said it. I want to tell you something about Paul, but I must keep it. <clears throat> we shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. 2,000 years ago he said this. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. People that have died. Asleep means they've died. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise. On that day, the dead in Christ shall rise. When did this happen in your Bible? Do you know this happened in your Bible also? When he was crucified, the dead walked in the streets visibly. The Romans had to pay money to keep the people quiet. That they don't say this. What do I always say? Things repeat itself in the Bible. And it's going to repeat again in our what happened? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That up is not up. It's in the other realm. It's caught up in the spirit. It's not caught up higher. It's up in the spirit. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm not going to go in detail with that. Meet up in the air dealing with that now. That's the thing for other days. So, what I want to say in this is, it says that there's a trumpet of God that will sound. It's not going to be a literal trumpet. You are actually a trumpet that's going to blow. It's going to 
<laughs> the loud ones. The dead in Christ shall rise their day. The ones on the other side that's already dead will come. The Bible says they were going to come in a cloud. They're not literally going to be on a cloud. It's speaking about they're coming through a realm. And then it says, we, uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord on the air and shall be with him forever. So, read here, Revelations 14 verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. So it's the people that already passed away. From henceforth, he saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. So, your final body change. It says, the dead will rise, we will be changed. The ones living will be changed, the dead will rise. Those are the two things it's speaking about here. Let's give it to you here. The word um, immortality. It means, it means incorruptibility, unending existence. The body is exempt from decay. That's what the word immortality means in your Bible. That's the Greek. So death is our enemy and, um, and not our scapegoat from the earth. Eh? Death is the enemy. It says in Romans 6, 4 that baptism brings you into this look here therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life look here Christ what do I always say Christ's life is a blueprint he walked on the earth and he chose when to die. It's a blueprint. He could never die. The only reason he died is because he chose it. Because he couldn't die. And here it says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Because it says that therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. So, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of, of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Saying that we are the same in the death of Christ, but we are also the same in the resurrection. It's the same. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And I know some people are going to say, yes, but the death they're meaning in the Bible is the death and when you go dying and it's everlasting life. That's why I'm giving you the meanings of immortality in your Bible. That you know, here it's speaking about physical death and here it's speaking about spiritual death because there's a difference. But we all, we want to make death every time spiritually because we don't want to think we cannot die. So everything we just think it's spiritually, but it's not. There's, it will tell you when it's spiritually and when it's in the natural, your Bible. It's a difference between the two. 2 Timothy 1 verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Who abolished death? Jesus. Jesus Christ. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Who has ever taught you the gospel 
and said you were not supposed to die. That it says it's part of the gospel. We only tell people, no, you must come to Jesus and you must give your heart to Jesus and then you're going to go to heaven when you die. Here it says, the gospel says, our Savior Jesus Christ has abolished death and has brought life and immortality. Have you ever heard somebody telling somebody that to get them saved? Because it says, yeah, it's part of the gospel. But isn't that a good gospel? If you have to tell to somebody, follow this person, but then you're going to die, and then you're okay. But here it says, follow this person, he brought life, and you will live. Isn't that a better gospel, that one, than what we preach to people? Because we preach to what we see, and not what the Bible is saying. I mean, I said, yeah, Jesus revealed this life um, that he was about to open when he declared to Lazarus, who was sleeping. But he was already four days dead. Next week, we're going to open up Lazarus and see what happened there. He was four days late. What does four mean? Whole of creation, earth, everything in creation itself. The fourth, I mean, was the fourth man in the fire? Think about it. Jesus wasn't four days late because he was four days late. He was four days late because he was saying something. He could have been three days late. He could have been five days late. He was Jesus. So Jesus came to restore man because sin was not from him. And he opened it up. We're going to talk about it next week. He opened it up at Lazarus story. He dropped the bomb when Lazarus died. For we that are in this tabernacle, this body, some translation will say tent, do groan. We all groan, eh? Being burdened. Not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. I know you have never read these verses. I said, yeah, we are not of the dispensation of only revealing the mysteries. We are to manifest the mysteries. Because all the mysteries that was revealed 2,000 years ago by Paul. Paul said there's no more. I've given them all of them. This was one of them. But we've never understood it for 2,000 years. Because God didn't allow it because it wasn't the time yet. But Paul walked in this. Remember what I said last week? Paul didn't die until he chose to die. Paul was stoned to death. Next page he's alive. How did that happen? He doesn't say anybody prayed for him. He was bitten by a snake. He never died. Everybody waited for him to die. He never died. He was shipwrecked. He never died. Paul never died. But then at the end he said, now I will, but I'm going to show you a verse now. So, again, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is a shadow of what's to come for us. Our, hopefully our generation or our children's, or children's generation. Whoever's going to walk in that is for them. This thing is for them. In the garden, when they ate of the fruit, everything changed. Here's the verse, if you want to see, I'm talk, if I'm talk, telling the truth. Genesis 2 verse 17. 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat for of it. For in the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Bam. If you eat of this, this is what God said. If you eat of this, you will die. Then um, Genesis 3 verse 2. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, listen to Eve. And the woman said unto the serpent, the devil, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Again. Do you see why I did all those teachings last year at the end about the trees and the stuff? Because I know we were coming to this. I wanted you to understand what does trees mean in the garden? Why was there so many people in the garden? The trees, because trees are people. The trees that were fighting with one another, your Bible says. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Listen to that lie. He says, you will not die if you eat of that. God said, you will die. She said to the serpent, we will die. He says, no, if you eat of it, you will not die. And guess what happened? Bam. We started dying. It was a lie. It came straight there. And we fell for it and it stuck to us. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the what? The resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He is dead, but he shall live. So that means if you die, you are going to be with Jesus. That's what he's saying there. So if you die today, tonight, you will be with Jesus. That's what he's saying there. Then in verse 26, And whosoever live and believe in me shall never die. Believe thou this. Next week we're going to talk about this. You see, this one is a hard one. He says, and whosoever live and believe in me shall never die. That die is physical death. Because he's talking here to Lazarus' death. He's not talking about if you die the ever after. He's not talking about that die there. So, Jesus says he's the resurrection and his life. He's not just one. You understand that he's not just resurrection. He's resurrection and his life. He's both. Both of those things. He's not death. In Greek, the word die, apopnesko, means to cease to exist. Cease to exist. Listen to how Paul speaks about this. Philippians 1.21 for to me to live is Christ. This is when Paul was old. He says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is great. Alright? But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I would not. Listen to this. What I shall choose, otherwise I do not know yet. He's going to make a choice. He's choosing something here. Have you ever read that word there? For I am in a strait between two having a desire to depart, in other words, go to the Lord, and to be with Christ, which is far better. He wants to go because he wants to be with the Lord. 
You're saying it's far better. I think we all will agree with that. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He's saying to the people, if I stay, it's going to benefit you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherness and joy and faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So Paul is saying here, I have a choice. Am I going to go to the Lord or am I going to stay with you? And then he says, I want to be there, but I choose to stay with you. How can this guy choose life or death? That's what he's saying there. There's this, you can't argue with, this, with the scripture there. He's, choose, he's making a choice. He's saying, I want to die, but I'm choosing not to. Guess who else did this? Jesus. When he was on the cross. He didn't die. He said, I give you my spirit. Yeah, I think I've got the verse here. Yeah, there. Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, I surrender my spirit unto your hands. And he took his last breath and died. He chose to go. Like Paul chose. That's why when Paul had to die, they cut off his head. He said, okay, it's time. I want to go home. And he went so that he could cut off his head. Because he wanted to die. So Jesus chose, Paul chose. Remember, Paul had a different revelation than the 12 disciples. 12 disciples didn't know this stuff. So there's going to come a day when the sons of God will manifest the Christ in them. And from that day forth, you will not die. Remember now, I'm just going to say this, that you understand and don't get confused. Everybody dies up till now. We're still dying. The only person that from the cross up to now did not die, like we all die, was Paul. Jesus first, then Paul. And after Paul, everybody died again. Just Paul didn't. Because Paul was chosen to walk in this that we could see how it looks like. Because Paul is a blueprint of a son of God. If the sons of God are to manifest tomorrow, if God comes tomorrow, Jesus, and he manifests his sons, the ones that love him, you're going to walk like a Paul. He's your blueprint. If you look at Paul, you will see what you're going to do. There's one or two people Paul didn't heal. And I think mainly it's because God didn't tell him to heal them. Because a son of God only will only do like Jesus what his father tells him to do. He's not going to pray for everybody. He will only pray to the ones of the Father. Jesus never prayed for everybody. There were times that he prayed for thousands, but then the Lord told him, pray for thousands. Other times the Lord said, pray for the one. There's a lot of people, but just pray for that one. That's how a son works. We today, we pray for everybody. Because we don't know. Because we're not sons yet. But Paul is a blueprint of a son of God. That's why if you want to know how we're going to walk in, that's the example. And we're going to do more than what Paul did. But Paul... Yeah, something that, yeah, there's a lot we can say about that. There's three doctrines about that, that I know of. But do you understand, Paul's life is a blueprint of walking in immortality and in the fullness of God. And we're going to have even more of that when it happens. And I mean, Paul walked in amazing things. 
But Paul understood the revelation of immortality. And he chose when he laid his life down, like Jesus did, because he had the revelation. God gave him the revelation. And that's why he could walk in it. That's why we are learning this now so that we can put our vision on what Paul did and start walking that way to grow towards a Paul. Because none of us are Pauls yet. Let's face it. Show me a Paul in in the whole world. There's not one walking like Paul in this whole world. There's not one walking like Jesus in the whole world. Why? Because those two were allowed in their time to walk in something that was different than anybody else walked in that time. Do you realize nobody else walked like a Paul in that time that Paul walked? Why? Because God gave him that thing. I'm going to say it anyway what I want to say about Paul. Just one thing. I'm going to just throw one thing. Why do you think when Paul walked on the road to Damascus, I asked this a week ago to the Lord, because I didn't understand it. I wanted to know. A supernatural thing happened with Paul. A light beam shot him. And he fell down. And he was blinded. And when he got up, he knew Jesus. Which he didn't know before. He killed people that knew. But he all of a sudden knew Jesus. When he came to, Ananias came to pray for him to open his eyes. He got baptized immediately. He did everything. Bop, 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 bop. And he started walking. But arrogant in the beginning. And then he got better. Where did this revelation come to him? When the light hit him. Like in that song, the light. There's going to come a day. Hopefully in our time. That we are going to walk. And the light's going to hit you. Like Paul. And you're going to have the fullness of Christ in you manifested. The same thing that happened to Paul is going to happen. He said, image of a son of God when it happened and how it happens. He was walking a normal day and all of a sudden, bam. He had the whole revelation. And he started walking it out. A flash of light happened and he got it. Go look at it. When he got caught up, he said, Lord, who are you? How does he know it's a Lord hitting him with his light? He just knew it because his whole being knew it. That's when Jesus walks in your room. You don't think, who is this? You know who this is. Your whole being knows it. Not, you don't have to listen to him saying, I am Jesus. You can know it. Because you're, like that song, you don't listen, but you hear. And Paul had the immediate understanding of what it is. And he had all the revelations coming to him after that. Because he was imparted with that light. That's why the sons of God are going to have a normal day and then all over the world, in one moment, the sons of God are going to be lit up inside. You're not going to shine. It's going to happen inside of you. And the fullness of Christ is going to manifest in you. And you're going to walk and do all these amazing things and you're only going to do what your father say, like Paul said, and like Jesus said. That's all you're going to do. Only what your father say. All right, you understand that? That's why he had that light because it's the same thing. It's a one moment thing that's going to happen in an instant, and the sons are going to be born. The one, the Bible calls it the one many membered body. Lots of members in this, but it's one body. Paul was one man. So hopefully you will look different at Paul now to understand why Paul walked. And I can guarantee you, you guys never thought of Paul never dying. But we're going to show you the verses in the story of Paul. It's going to rattle you to see that he actually never died. 
but it was for that time. So that's why I can't preach, you know, you're not going to die now. You are going to die now. Until that moment happens, then nobody's going to die anymore. And the dead will come. Whether they're going to walk with us here, I'm not sure. If I read my Bible, that's what the Bible says. It's just my brain can't work that out. It's but confusing for me that. But the Bible says that they're going to come from that side. All the saints, the witnesses, are going to come. The ones that died for Jesus are going to come also to witness that when that day comes. And then only after that, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of years, then Jesus will come to the earth and manifest, set his foot on the earth. But before he does that, he's first going to go and look for his sons, his mature bride to come forth. And they're going to be immortal. You're not going to grow older again, and you're not going to die. And that's going to rattle people's cages. But that's what's to come. All right.